Good morning, church. This morning we're reading from the book of Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 to 9. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his, of his disciples eating food with hens that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Well, I had no idea, of course, when I set that reading quite some time ago, <laughs> we would be in a, in a social situation like we had. It wasn't a reading that was set this week, I can assure you of that. It was set many weeks ago. Uh, isn't that just the economy and, and humour of God? Well, there we have it. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would be with us now as we reflect upon your word, look for deep meaning in our lives, deep truth to shape our community to nurture and inform our minds, to inspire our souls and to equip our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can work out what that is, can't you? You can work out what, can you see what that is? It is a boat with barnacles on it. It is a boat with barnacles on it. Um, As you know, I went from school to Bible college to train as a youth worker and spent some many years uh, working as a youth worker. And this may surprise you, uh, but the cohort in which I trained and myself were somewhat smart Alex. I know that would amaze you, uh, a little bit anti-establishment, a little bit pushback against authority. This may, you may not even be able to imagine that seeing me now, that I would be outspoken and that I would tell perhaps people in authority uh, what we thought. Anyway, so we had a very gracious, we're in training, so we're talking mid to late 70s, right? Are you with me? This is a long time ago. Some people weren't born. It's an ancient story. In this ancient tale, uh, my cohort and myself, were, we were down at this campsite down on the Port Hacking, and uh, one of the bishops, one of the four Sydney Anglican bishops, was down there uh, talking to us, And there was a mood of uh, anti-authority kind of pervading in the room, perhaps a little bit fueled by me. And one of our number, I can't remember if it was me or somebody else, we started to challenge those things that we saw were just human traditions in the church and that were not necessarily essentially biblical. And uh, we were pushing into that space pretty hard. And I remember that the wise bishop, he then said, he just told us the story. He just said, well, you know, Christianity and the church is like a boat. It's been afloat for about 2,000 years. 
And any boat that's been afloat for a long time tends to gather barnacles. You've just got to work out which is the barnacle and which is the boat. So today's sermon is, is it barnacle or is it boat? As we look at what we do in our worship services and as a Christian community, we ask ourselves the deep question, is it barnacle or is it boat? Jesus loved to cleanse the barnacles off the Jewish boat. And he was often pushing, as we could see in this reference, he would push back against those things that were merely human traditions. And uh, he would take on the authorities and call them back to the essentials of uh, true worship, stripped down, true, heartfelt worship of Yahweh their God. So Jesus was untraditional, Jesus was radical, and Jesus was provocative. And uh, we need to note that it was the religious traditionalists that killed him probably because they felt threatened by him. Definitely that they felt insulted by him. So he called them out. He called them outrageous hypocrites. Uh, He mocked what they wore. He rebuked the way that they prayed in public. He uh, castigated them for their giving and tithing and the manner in which they did that. He criticised their clamour for social recognition Uh, He criticised them for the denial of justice to the needy, their judgmentalism towards the marginalised, their hypocrisy, their spiritual superficiality, the fact that they shut the kingdom of of God out to God-seekers and that they put burdensome human rules on people's backs. As a summary statement in Matthew 23, which is the big picture of where Jesus really gave them a public lashing, he said, you snakes, You brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Well, that'd be a great sermon topic, wouldn't it, really? Imagine if I I got up and addressed you in the first person in that way. How'd you like that? Well, I didn't like it either. But that was Jesus. Jesus, the prophet, Jesus, the son of God, calling them to pure religion to know the difference between the barnacle and the boat. And so so we need to always think critically about our Christian community, about what we do. We need to understand that many of the things that we do and practices are just that. They're just human practices. And we need to know what is barnacle and what is boat. And we need to madly and uncompromisingly defend and love the boat. But we need to be flexible and light in our holding to things that are just pragmatic issues of the way we do things around here. The great question as we look at Christendom right across the board and perhaps this church as well. Has the church become so encrusted with human traditions that it hinders... It's mission and ministry. Has the church become so encrusted in human traditions that it actually somehow hinders the mission and ministry of the church? Is the way that we are meant to do ministry and the way that we are meant to do mission somehow being hindered by the not what we do, but the way we do what we do? Is there a better way? What's the most effective way? Do we value and perpetuate just human traditions 
that somehow get in the way or impede the kingdom of God, the way we do church as opposed to what we do as a church. Uh, well, let's have a look at our scriptures. We must uh, learn to differentiate between the barnacle and the boat. Let me pull up some scriptures. You've got them there. Very short one. We've got to know the difference. Yes, we do. And do I have another slide? Yes, and another slide. Great. This thing's not doing so good. Um, Okay, look at verse 3. Here is this ironic passage that was chosen in the sovereign plan of God to turn up on this day. Uh, The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give thanks with their hands uh, by ceremonial washing, holding on to the tradition of the elders. So Jesus is establishing here that the elders, the leaders, the Jewish nation, have established traditions that aren't necessarily... Uh, they're not God rules, they're mankind rules, they're humankind rules, and they don't necessarily... Uh, and that's why Jesus and his disciples don't do it. They just don't conform to this and they're criticised for it. Uh, Jesus notes that the real issue is that there's a gap between their lips and their hearts. Look at verse 6. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites. As it is written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And verse 7 through to verse 9, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. How often, if we look down the traditions of the church and the history of the church, have human rules got in the way and been laid upon people? Human rules made up by whoever been laid upon people that have in the end impeded what God's wanted the church to actually do, its mission and ministry in the world. Friends, there are a lot of barnacles out there. This church has barnacles. Every church has barnacles. We need to be thinking carefully, is it barnacle or is it boat? They worship me in vain. Uh, Teachings are merely human rules, so they emphasise the things the human rules. You have let go of the commands of God, so it wasn't just that we're not holding them equally, that God's commands have been sidelined. You have let go of God's commands and are holding on to human traditions. I wonder Jesus was not very popular, hey? He is really letting them have it. And he continued, you have a fine way. You can imagine his tone. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Well, I'm talking about boat and barnacles. What's the boat look like? I think the boat might look like this. Here are some of the elements that we can recognise the boat. This is just a little quick list. There's probably a whole lot more. But these are the kind of things that as a Christian community we ought to be on about. As a Christian community, these are the things that we ought to value. These are the sort of things that we ought not ever set aside for the commands of people or the Traditions of the way we do things around here. Or this is how it's always done in the churches of Christ. That wasn't the voice of God. Slight tone of sarcasm. Um, and so here are some of the things that I think, and you could probably, we could probably get another list equally, if not longer, together if we just thought about it for just a moment. These are the ones that just rolled off my, my brain as I thought about it. These are the things we must never set aside. These are the things when I say, recognise the boat. This is what I think the boat looks like. It's about loving God. Uh, the Agape community, 
That is basically a selfless love. That's the word for selfless love. We ought to be a selflessly loving community. We ought to be on about loving God. This church needs to be known for its love of God. This church needs to be known for its love of others. If people are driving around in a taxi around here and they're going past um, various churches and the person says, I'm trying to find a church and they're in an Uber or they're in one of those rideshare things or they're in a taxi and they're going around and they go past each church and what's this church known for? It's known for its teaching. What's this church known? Known for its music. What's this church known for? It's known for its whatever it might be known for. And as they pass this church, I want the person to say, that church is known for its love of God and its love of each other. They are steeped in love. They ooze love. They are a community of love. Stop the car. I want to go to that church. Who wants to go to a church like that? That's, one of, that's the church we've got to be. We've got to love each other. Love our God. Love our neighbour. To whom we are called, our neighbourhood, complex, challenging, hard to reach neighbourhood. We ought to be committed to evangelism because we have been alone given the good news that is the hope and the salvation of the world. We need to be committed to discipleship because that's what Jesus commissioned the whole church to do. That we ought to be out there uh, sharing the gospel, baptising people, teaching people to obey him and bringing and causing discipleship. We ought to be about disciples, being apprentices, being learners of Jesus. We need to be about teaching unto obedience. Jesus said, teach them to obey. So teaching always has the other side of teaching unto obedience. And so we, we learn together so that we might then enact the teachings of God. They're not just academic thoughts. They're not just ideas. They are words of life that come from the living scriptures and they are good for us to go and do. What is said on Sundays needs to walk and talk in your life on Mondays. If it doesn't do that, I've either failed as a preacher or you've failed as a listener. But I do my best. You need to pray for me. I can always do better. That we teach unto obedience and that we need to think, God, okay, in all of the hubbub of what I said this morning, What's, what's one thing that I can walk and talk in my life tomorrow and Monday that I heard on Sunday? We need to come with listening ears, open hearts, receptive minds and a will to enact what the Holy Spirit reveals to us as truth for our lives. We need to be committed to prayer. We need to be committed to, bapti to baptism. These are the sacraments that God gave us, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And so when a person becomes a Christian, they confess Jesus Christ as Lord and they're baptised and they declare to the community around them that they believe him. Uh, by the way, you're never too old to be baptised. There might be some people here running around in the rain won't do. Might need to get wet, might need to be baptised, might need to follow Jesus' example, the biblical mandate of confession and baptism. I like baptism. Water restrictions are now reduced and I don't need to dunk you in the Parramatta Creek. Probably use a baptistry. Although, if I don't like you, we'll go down to Parramatta. I'll immerse you right where the boat turns around. How about that? Lord's Supper is gathering habitually to worship as Hebrews has uh, urged us to do. And we gather to worship God as he deserves and to build each other and encourage each other. Is that, how's that for a boat? Is that all right? I mean, there are other things you could add, no doubt. I, that's your homework. Add some more things to the boat. 
But these are the things. We need to be a loving community, loving our neighbourhood, evangelising and reaching out to our community and the world. Discipleship, becoming more like Jesus, following him, teaching unto obedience, committed to prayer, committed to baptism, sharing the Lord's Supper and gathering to build each other up in love and worship. You know, I reckon if that's the boat, uh, we then need to be able to recognise, perhaps ask the question, what's a barnacle look like? What's a barnacle look like? Our traditions that we do as a... As every church has traditions. And I want to say they may be good, or they may be bad, or they may be indifferent. They may be just things that we do. Good, bad, or indifferent. I think the acid test questions is, does the way that we do what we do, the way, not what we do, because I think we do the right things. Share the Lord's Supper. We open up the scriptures. We praise the Lord. We pray. We have fellowship together. Does the way we do what we do help or hinder the kingdom of God? Is there a better way? Now, we need to ask that of all traditions because we don't want to fall foul of what Jesus said that we've uh, missed out on the very essentials. You might say, well, not us. We're the churches of Christ. We're a very non-traditional lot, right? That's what churches of Christ love to say about themselves. Churches of Christ love to say, oh, we're not traditional. We're churches of Christ. We're very non-traditional people. We're just a humble gathering of people. Um, And so the things that aren't necessarily in the Bible, I'm going to nominate a few. Not bad things. I'm saying they could be good, they could be bad, or they could be indifferent. It's just the things that we do. It's just the traditions. Now, I don't know who ever designed pews. I'm not a fan of them. They're kind of comfortable. They're incredibly unhelpful as a pastor in being able to format the church in different ways. So it's just what we do. It's a kind of thing. I'm not opposed to them. I just think they're a strange thing to do. Uh, the fact that they all face the front like we were in a, some sort of a train or a bus. I'm not sure about that. I think in the New Testament, uh, I don't believe the early church sat in pews. I can't find that in the book of Acts. I don't believe that they all sat all looking at, at, at some handsome, debonair, suave <laughs> man of great... When an elder laughs, I, t- I need that, you know. Was that a laugh of encouragement? Or a, get a reality check. I was like, get a reality check. But they, they didn't sit like this. It's not a New Testament thing. But we do it. And so if we move the chairs around, we've slightly got them at an angle. People are like, oh, I'm fitting a bit unsecure about that. They're all, someone's moved the furniture. It's not a biblical thing. Pull all the furniture out and bring a rug. It doesn't matter. Looking to the front. What's that all about? Not necessarily. We meet in a traditional building. It's so traditional that the local council has put heritage orders on it so that we can't do much to it. So if you get some entrepreneurial ideas how we might build a worship centre here, go down to Parramatta Council and have a long discussion. There are seven points in which our building might be classified as a historic monument. We have ticks in all seven boxes. I said to the elders when I came here, how about if I put a wrecking ball through your church and we build a modern thing? They said, go for it. Then I realised we couldn't do it. It was a trap question. We have a platform. We have a sloping floor. Not biblical. It's just kind of the way we do things. Good, bad or indifferent. New Testament church didn't have... New Testament church, it didn't meet in a building until about the second century. You know, the first thing they found in church history was a renovated lounge room where Christians met. 
That was the first building. Until then, uh, Jewish Christians continued to go to the temple, but other Christians just met in homes. It was a home church movement for 200 years. And so you might think, oh, does, does going to a life group, does a home church? That's what the New Testament church looked like. Didn't have one of these U-Butte tables built by a U-Butte legend of the church that weighs about 700, 300 million tonnes. And there's a hernia giving surprise for anybody who tries to move it by themselves. I didn't have that. New Testament church where they celebrate communion is just table. They sat around, they didn't have, and they did not have them little groovy things that we just had this morning. That was pretty interesting, wasn't it? That was a weird thing to do. I got all thoughts pretty good. Um, they just had a fellowship meal, and sometime in the meal they paused over a meal. And they remembered Jesus and they had teaching and they had prayer and they did these kinds of things. A pulpit. What? Mm-mm. Not in the Bible. Not in the New Testament. Run sheets to which the minister is given 21 minutes to preach and I have two minutes and 12 seconds left. Who wrote 21 minutes? Me. Because I don't trust myself. Odd shaped stained glass windows. They're very beautiful, but they're not necessarily biblical. They met in homes. They met in parks. I think we could meet in a park soon. What do you think? We've got to get our eyes off ourselves for just one morning and let's get our eyes onto the community which God has called, called us to reach. They met in cafes. People can meet in cafes. Churches meet in parks. Churches meet in homes. Churches meet in cathedrals. Churches meet in worship stadiums. Corner store churches are just like us. And so we'll be meeting at a different time. Here's a couple of thoughts as we wrap up. I want to say never try to push your personal preference onto the church or onto others. doesn't matter what your personal preference is really. Who cares? We've got to ask bigger questions. The bigger questions is, are we doing what boats should do? Is what we're doing biblical and is it the best? We need to prefer what is best for the most. We need to learn to prefer what is the best for the most. What will minister to most people? What's the most relevant and fruitful way of doing what we do? And you might say, well, Larry, that's okay for you. You get to do what you do every Sunday. It's like, I just want to say this. I've written a 14-page document to brand new ministers in bullet points about when they start out, what they should not do. And this is my advice about personal preferences and being a pastor. They need to hear you say, not all change is good. Only change for the better is good. Uh, The title of this um, work is How to Turn the Queen Mary Around Without Sinking It. Leading Lasting Change in the Local Church. That's my paper. Pointless change is just that. Changes you propose will not necessarily be your personal preferences. In fact, your personal preferences need to be laid down. This is advice to me and other pastors. This is a pastoral document. Learn only to ask what is good for the church, not what do I like. Because I, speaking of myself, have a quirky taste in music and arts. I am fascinated by oddball historic stuff. And though I really love praise and worship, I sometimes mischievously say with my tongue in my cheek, oh, I don't like our worship music and style, and I never get to preach on what I truly like to. I say it to make a point. You see, the decisions are always made for the church's good, not to placate your personal preferences. You all have your personal preferences. We need to lay them down for the good of the most. I sometimes tell people that if I were to set up, they say, well, what would you do for a church if you were starting a church? That's how people talk to me. They put on goofy voices. 
I sometimes tell people the way that I would set up a church, uh, we would have no racks of pews. We would have no platform. Uh, There'd be no formal table, no fancy lighting bars, just lamps, rugs, clusters of club lounges, low tables, a coffee machine, of course, praise God, with a barista and a beard. Music led by alternative indie, look it up if you don't know, acoustic-style musicians who play a genre of music that might be found on the hipster end of Spotify, all set up in an old wooden floor space adorned with festoons with local art. People respond to me just as you are with bewilderment and intrigue. Two things I never ask myself, what do I want to preach on? I don't preach on what I want to preach on. I want to preach on what God's called me to preach on to you. You'd get a lot of historic arts sort of style sermons if you let me loose. If I never asked what I'd just say, Jesus, lead me, God, guide me, Spirit of God, teach me. It's got to, I've got to be like a physician. I need to diagnose and prescribe what's good for the body. You don't go to the doctor and he doesn't say, well, I've got a fabulous medication. I give it to everybody. I love it. This is a great medicine. This is your script. But I know you, it doesn't matter. Just take it. It's a great medicine. I love it. It's my personal preference. You don't get my personal preferences on Sunday. You don't get my music and you don't get my sermons. The way that we do needs to be for the good of the most. And so I only ever ask, I only ever ask, God, what do you want me to preach on what's going to be good for the body of Christ? You believe it? It's true. So let me say this. Is it barnacle or is it both? Are we doing, as a faith community, the way that we do what we do? Is it the best way for the most kingdom impact? Always treasure the boat. Look for the boat and realise all else. Might be good, bad or indifferent, but barnacle. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would bless us as we take this powerful and provocative message away. Help us, Lord, to catch the heart and the spirit of Jesus who calls people back to the fundamentals of true worship and to hold other things very lightly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.